0: Welcome to Continuous Dream. Today, Part 4, Chapters 1 and 2 of Kells, The Gospel of Columba, a novel by Amy Kreider. Part 4, read by Jeff Breitman, Baird Brucher, and Lindsay Summers. Part Four Illumination Chapter One Scribing Kanochtoch awoke, and his hand went to the lump in his armpit. Every night he resolved to stop feeling it in the morning, but he did. For a while it grew rapidly but now seemed to be staying the same. He shifted and something was sore in his groin. He felt there was a new lump there. The day was frosty and in the church the breath of the monks made the chant visible. Then he went to the scriptorium. It might be the last page he would contribute. He filled the inkhorn and slid it into the hole in the ledge of the desk. He snapped off the end of the quill with his knife and slit the end. The joy of effort, when all pain is forgotten, blocked out the rank sweat smell of the room, the sounds of phlegm clearing, the hoarse sound, a grating rasp, the internal sound, the music stuck in one's head rises and drowns out the rest, the constant chant heard all day and night like the sound of the sea. The blank space must be filled as the sea fills the horizon, as the chant fills the air. Creeping in at first, a draft chills the joints. Wind penetrates, bringing with it the scent of the fresh world outside. The memory of walking through the field of bedstraw thyme, and tiny orchids with Una making a crown for Deirdre's hair. The breeze stirs the smoke from the fire and oil lamps, a thick smell, warming and heightening the other smells of the wildflowers and sweat, alternating layers of smell. But they will pass away, along with the cold and the pain, away with the hunger, like a sharp stone in his stomach. His throat is dry, his parched lips chapped to the point of splitting a tingling pain on his lip, it will pass. The hunched back aches, his wrist is almost numb, dully sore. Only when his fingers are numb and limp, unable to hold the pen will he stop. Because until the finger can no longer pull the ink into fine curves and lines straight as taut strings, he will work. The work is 360 pages. It is the work of four men. The most ornate page takes a man a month of steady work to finish. The work is the word of God. It is the gospel. It is the good news. When the smells drift away and the draft recedes and the pain goes blank, it is the time of joy. A joy felt, not even as happiness, because inside happiness is the contrast and memory of sadness. And this has no memory. It is the joy with no past. It is the joy of no past. It is the joy with no future. It is the joy of no future. It is the joy of emptiness. Though the page is covered and filled with color and pattern, more intense than any wild meadow, than any flower's center, than the iris of a hazel eye. The pattern soars to heaven, and the mind is blank as the beginning. The mind moves to a white, unshadowed sky into a steady gray ocean wave, into a black moonless night. It is where all light comes together, where sounds rush until they drown themselves, where pain is an opiate of pleasure, where all joins together to form absolute emptiness. It is layers of concentration. First, the planning. The dividers walk down the side of the page to mark seventeen evenly spaced lines. If the page is text, then the decorations are only small bursts, initials and ornaments, each a bit of controlled wildness. A dragon's head spewing out serpentine spirals. A lion's tongue filling the circle of a P. An eagle's neck stretching around the letter S. An R ending in lion's paws. So many eagles, lions, and peacocks other pages are a full design consisting only of a few words the q of quonium for as much the opening of saint luke's gospel is the entire page the rest of the letters of Uoniam, nestled inside the rectangle of the q steady rhythms of squares crosses, everything filled with dizzying knotted spirals, pages as brimming full as his stomach is empty, the patterning deeper and deeper, the pattern repeating and changing, turning on itself like the spinning waves of the Kori whirlpool. Quonion is Knuchtoch's page, tribute to his dear Luke. In the lower right corner, wrapped around the N and the M, faces of his brothers lined up to chant. Eight perfect small red circles inside the center of the Q on the left. The suggestion of a cross in half circles around the edge The hard, straight lines in perfect balance with the smooth curves, dancing and shimmering inside. The pattern going inward, inward, never stopping, pulling like a child pulling on his hand across a field. Una, long ago, saying, come, look, see. It is eternity itself it is a taste of the everlasting born of the hard chair the stiff muscles the draft the hunger the ache all fused into the blankness of the page whitened with chalk once living skin holding blood and flesh holding the course of a heartbeat The blankness now, becoming the dizziness of speed. Of running across the blank white sky, unable to draw breath until the breath catches hold. The joy of the single word. The one word. The only word. The answer to the monk's question on Isla and the reason God gave his only begotten Son, as John told. Part 4. Chapter 2. Return. Knuchtoch was on the beach when the bell rang from Mull. Two brothers rowed out and in an hour returned with a tall, fair young man who looked familiar. As he stepped from the boat, Knuchtoch's heart pounded. Kayla? Is that you? The young man's face was ruddy and tanned with travel a light brown beard growing where he had none when he'd left. He approached Kanochtoch and knelt, kissing the abbot's hand, and Kanochtoch stroked the top of his head in blessing. Where is Una? he thought. Where are Deirdre and Una? Kayla didn't speak. Words seemed to catch in his throat. Come. Knuchtoch led him to his office. They entered the darkened room and Knuchtoch lit a lamp from the fire. They sat across the desk from each other. Kayla, whose eyes had always been lit with curiosity and still were, didn't meet his gaze. He looked grim and uncomfortable. I must tell you about the elephant, Kayla said. He straightened up and spoke in glib tones. We had to bring an elephant back to Karl from Harun. It was the most awful burden, and we ended up going across the north coast of Africa. Derek, who was so mad for much of the journey, became well as soon as we obtained the lapis. Where? was Una. We were in Carthage and saw the home of our blessed St. Augustine. The elephant was chained to a tree, though he seemed to have no inclination to desert us. A small mouse ran by, and it is true, the elephant's fear. Kayla nodded brightly before looking away in discomfort. The mouse ran by again, and Derek, who did love creatures such as that, held his hand out to it. The mouse came up to him and nipped him on the finger before running away. Such a small bite. A glancing blow. But it was infected. I'm very sorry to tell you of it, but he died well. He made confession, and at the last he was holding the lapis in his hands. The treasure he had sought for so long and he said it will be done kayla this marvelous book you will make sure kayla gave a grim smile it is something to achieve such a goal to go to the ends of the earth for it kayla smiled again then cleared his throat the discomfort returning to his face there were more burdens. We made it to Lindisfarne and observed the progress of rebuilding the monastery. They have made great strides. I told them of Darek's death, and we held a mass for him. It grew darker in the room, and the bell was struck for Compline. They sat silently. Kanochtoch didn't rise. Kayla continued. I left from Lindisfarne alone to find my way. I ended up happening upon a wedding feast. You will never guess whose. It was Terrain's. He seems to have become an upright young chieftain. There was another pause. Where are Una and Deirdre? Kanachtoch asked. In the distance, the hushed chant hovered in the air. Kayla rubbed his face. I didn't know if you got my letter. I did. I got your letter. Kayla shifted in his seat. Deirdre had her surgery. I believe it was successful. I believe God is watching over them and that Una is with her. Where are Deirdre and Una? Kela clasped his hands and looked at the floor. We left in our large train, with Una. Deirdre didn't come out. He took a deep breath and looked up to meet Kanochtoch's gaze. Una didn't want to keep going, but we had to. That night, as we camped, a messenger arrived on horseback. He gave the message to Isaac. It said that Musa, who had paid for Deirdre's surgery, had taken her for his wife, and she would not be coming. I do believe Musa truly loves her, and will be good to her. Knokhtokh stared, raised his hand, and pressed his fingers on his creased forehead. And then What? Did you go back? What of Una? Kayla closed his eyes a moment. She asked at once if she could go back. Isaac said there were no men to spare. We needed the men to care for the elephant. When I awoke the next morning, she was gone. Her ring was on my finger. Kayla opened a pouch on his belt and took out the bronze ring incised with a cross. He slid it across the desk. He coughed. I brought back an elephant instead of your sister. Karnachtoch picked up the ring and brought it to his cheek. It was warm and felt like it burned. His hand shook. You did not go after her? They would not go. But they gave word to the natives of the desert to look for her. You did not go? Kayla flushed. I could not alone. What has come to pass? And what ruin has come to my family? Because I left them I deserted them, and they are all sacrificed. What for? What is the meaning of it? He clutched the ring in his fist and punched the top of the desk. It is not all lost. Deirdre is well. What manner of man is she wed to? They are heretics, and we do not know them. I met Musa several times. He was kind and reserved. He did love her well, I am sure of it. Though they are heretics, they do pray, and put much faith in God. For what purpose did this all come about? All lost! Even the old man you were to bring back! For what purpose was it all? Kayla took out the two lumps of lapis lazuli and lay them on the desk. They were dark, with glinting highlights, like the eyes of fortune. This was what we went for. He lay his hands on either side of them and gazed down at the two dark wells. For this... What does it mean? Kayla reached for Canochtoch's hand. I asked a man in Caesarea to tell me what I should say. I told him the whole story. I felt completely at a loss. What should I say? He said to tell her brother. She has the heart of a lion and the will of a wild horse she rides the storm like a soldier of thunder she will survive my dear father it may all have happened anyway exactly as it did isaac would still have gone and may have ransomed una deirdre would still have wed and una may still have run away But because I sought these stones, I would not have gone, and I would not have brought back their story, and tell you she has the heart of a lion and the will of a wild horse, and I am sure she was found, and yet lives. They are far away, in a world so different from ours, it is like a dream. But they live. They have survived, and... Because I brought this back, I can tell you the knowledge of their story. He gingerly put his hand on top of the stones. Outside, the chant had ended. The lamp hissed slightly, the sound seeming to come from the lapis like a spell. A deep silence hung in the air. Knuchtoch sighed and rubbed the tears from his face. Her ring and this knowledge and nothing else to sustain us through the mystery. It must be. It is perhaps more than many are granted. He pushed the stones toward Kayla. Is it better, knowing? he asked. Slowly he put the stones back in the pouch. They clicked, falling in. Kayla looked at K'nachtoch's grief-creased face. We both know the answer. And Una most of all knows, he said. Neither moved for a while. Their heavy breathing the only sound to slid the ring on his pinky, the ring una had tried to give him when she left. Now she had given it to him. Let us pray. They stood and prayed the words written by Saint Columba, adiotor laborantium, bonorum, rector omnium, custos ad propugnosium, defensorque credentium, exaltor humilium, fractor superbentium. In his mind, as he recited, he heard the translation. O helper of workers, ruler of the good, guard of the ramparts, and defender of the faithful, who lift up the lowly and crush the proud, ruler of the faithful, enemy of the impenitent, judge of all judges who punish those who err, pure life of the living, light and father of lights, shining with great light, denying to none of the hopeful your strength and help. I beg that me, a little man, trembling and most wretched, rowing through the infinite storm of this age, Christ may draw after him to the lofty, most beautiful haven of life, an unending holy hymn forever. From the envy of enemies you lead me into the joy of paradise, through you, Jesus Christ, who live and reign. Kanochtoch squeezed Kayla's hand, and they sat again in silence. Tears slipped down Kanochtoch's face in the darkness, glinting in the faint light. Kayla pressed his hands to his eyes, unable to cry, because it had all been too much. The fire was down to coals, and it too was silent. Kayla waited, not wanting to speak or to leave. Finally, Karnachtacht cleared his throat, his fingers wrapping around the bronze ring on his finger. After a pause, he said, I thought I had a great surprise for you, but your story overwhelms any news I had. But I must tell you, while you were gone, we had a visitor close to you, a kinsman. Caleb blinked in confusion. I know you thought you had none. The man you thought was your owner and chief came to confess to me. You are his son. Your mother was not pregnant when she arrived at his farm, but was soon after. You were his secret son. Kayla's mouth opened. By then, Reuben and Gormgal and the others had returned, and we knew of your interest in becoming a monk. Chief Kongal feels great remorse at having stripped you of your birthright, and he is unhappy with his sons now. He would like to reinstate you as his heir. Kela Makonggal. Paused at uttering the full name. If you still prefer the white martyrdom of the monastery, he will sponsor you, as a father should, and grant the monastery three cows. You have a decision to make now. I suggest you pray on it. To be continued. If you enjoy Continuous Dream, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. For other ways to support the show, please see the show notes or visit www.continuousdream.com. Thanks for listening.